3: I do think Grace as well, like the pod is so much better when we're drunk.
4: It it, it is. It's the vibe is correct. It's yeah. more people should do podcast drunk. We say silly and outrageous things
0: sometimes,
4: but I Are think Are you that's guys okay. still in
0: magazine in the magazine world?
4: Yeah. Yeah. it <laughs> Claw- clawing along. Yeah. Oh
0: my god! Amazing, a fellow writers. I didn't realize that you guys were also writers in your own right. That's amazing. Do you guys have books? I w- I want a copy of your book.
3: No, we need to release a we need to release a book. We should do a book where each of us writes, like a page each, but we don't look at it or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. But writing a book, honestly, Caroline, like petrifies the shit out of me. Like I'm so in awe of you for always having that in your brain and always just knowing that that was something you wanted to do. Like I bet you feel the same grace. I'm just like, I couldn't imagine. And
4: and to actually do it like to, it is, it is such an undertaking. Like as someone who's at the moment trying to get in that like creative mindset and just put shit on paper, you have to overcome so much like self-loathing realizing that there's this huge gap between what you know good writing to be and what you're writing. Like there's this massive psychological barrier to get to the point where you've written a book.
0: Totally. I have this line in Scammer, um, something like, you know, I put off writing books my whole life um, or I avoided writing books my whole life by avoiding first drafts. Like I couldn't tolerate my own mediocrity. And first drafts are so bad that they're actually demoralizing like you know like your your first draft is actually so shitty sometimes it makes you want to just give up and not keep going and the best advice I could give any other aspiring creatives out there is advice that my favorite writing professor actually gave me and that I include in the book He says, be your own crappy little elf. Like, pretend that you're just... You're a crappy little elf making crappy little things. And just make a crappy little thing and just leave it there for yourself to find tomorrow and to fix. And that really helped a lot thinking about it in those terms. And the second piece of advice I would have for anyone really struggling with, like, not just writer's block, but, like, writer's paralysis is to just get angry. Like, I... I feel like Natalie has tried to sell me out, has successfully sold me, or to varying degrees of success, sold me out three times in my life, but I've only ever got angry the third time, this last time. The first time was obviously when she sold that piece to the cut. And I don't know if you've ever had any experience with addiction. You're like, uh, we're clearly alcoholics. Were you not listening, Caroline? But if you have <laughs> any other experience with, Addiction that you've actually overcome, um, <laughs> unlike the alcoholism, which we're, which uh, which is the era we're currently living through. But um, no, it's okay. I'm so, I drink like six days a week. No joke. But um, but I felt a lot of shame about how I had acted in my early twenties and how I'd been the person I'd just been during my addiction, my Adderall addiction, like look at how peppy I am, stone cold sober, like, you don't want to, no one wanted to be around meth me, like, I did not need meth, <laughs> um, so when she sold me out to the cut in a strange way, I felt like, okay, now we're even, and, and not just even, but, like, now you've done something even, like, you're taking credit for my work, like, you're making me, like, you're publicly humiliating me, like, you, this is so much worse than, like, just being a shitty friend in your early 20s, like, in a weird way, I felt like we were even and we were done. And then the second time, but I wasn't angry. And the second time she tried to sell me out was two days later when she really tried to use my father's, the news of my father's suicide to like console me about him, but then like offer her friendship and $15,000 if I would just sign over my life rights to her. And I feel like she really tried to take advantage of my grief to strike a business deal. But again, I wasn't angry because I was just really fucking sad. Like I was just bereaved. I wasn't pissed at all. But this past winter, a friend who's in publishing in New York leaked a copy of her book proposal, like the document that she used to sell her book.
3: That's so. And it, was just,
0: <laughs> and it was just all about me. It was like how she was going to write an essay about my addiction, how she was going to expand the cut essay. And I just got so fucking pissed. And I just like, I was totally felt like crippled by my own anxiety about writing. And especially cause I'd been, At a certain point, I really shot myself in the foot by saying that I was gonna write a book and then I felt like I had all this weight of expectation on me from the public and so many people believed I'd never do it. And finally, I just got sick to fucking death enough of being used by her that I got angry and that propelled me into action. And so my other piece of advice beyond being your own crappy little elf to get through those shitty first drafts is to just let yourself be angry. I think anger plus purpose can be incredibly constructive and like a very useful emotion. I don't think anger always has to be a negative destructive thing. I think if you apply it towards a goal, it can be a really beautiful feeling to feel.
4: It's interesting you say that because we were we loved the book. By the way, we haven't said said that yet. We both read it. It's oh, so so That's beautifully so written. Amazing. Like,
3: should I do a quick intro or do you not? Want to do this? Well, I don't. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Let's do the intro at the end. The there's no now. there's no point in really doing an intro. How you
0: think you're gonna? How many of those tequila sodas you've had already? But like, <laughs> I don't I don't
3: know how you're gonna edit.
0: I think. Okay, go go for it. I mean, I want to hear the we will do it
3: now. It will it would never be edited to the start, but I was just basically going to say to everyone listening, I guess obviously if people are listening to this episode, they'll know who you are. So many of our followers, I already know fucking love you. We have such a crossover and I think our energies and our intentions like someone wrote in on your Instagram.
0: intention being chaos yes they were just
3: like a win for all the chaotic but well-intentioned women out there when you release yeah. scammer and i was like that's us it took us four years to release merch and then we like accidentally scammed the girls because we didn't know how to post it to Australia and it was arriving like seven months later. I, I
0: hate it when you accidentally scam the girls. <laughs> that's the worst. I know. And they but when you accidentally grip the girls, that's that's the worst. I hate it when that happens.
3: They were just like, hey, it's been like seven months I've seen everyone else with their hats, but just wondering is mine still coming? And I was like, Oh, I, I don't want to be
4: annoying. Sorry.
3: That's so sweet. You know, so many
0: of my fans, um I, I originally sold the book back in 2020 for $25 and lots of people asked for refunds and like no hard feelings. There was a goddamn pandemic. Like some people got laid off and like genuinely needed that $25 back. So I gave it to them. But, um, for all, all the girls who I accidentally grifted out there. I automatically upgraded their $25 book order to the $65 luxury first edition. And these books cost like more than $25 to make. So it's like, in a strange way, I'm paying them like about like three or four dollars a person to to yeah. own the book.
3: We were like we were doing that too. It was costing us like more money. We got <laughs> the stuff. We got the stuff sent to the UK and then had to personally ourselves ship it to Australia. And shipping it to Australia was like thirty dollars a package. It's thirty
0: dollars. It's thirty dollars. Oh my god, literally, and oh my god, I. <laughs> my australian girlies are my biggest scammers because recently i needed to save up 60 grand to um to like print the books myself in this like luxury first edition nice way and like even 20 grand of that 60 grand was going towards like italian like handcrafted paper and anyway the point is is that i wasn't In order to get that 60 grand, I was selling tarot cards, which was like my version of a tarot card reading. I basically like wrote out definitions for like all the tarot cards and then drew them randomly. But I offered free shipping. It was just like a a $15 flat rate. Those Australian girlies made a bag in terms of like all their orders and how much (laughs) I like. I was like basically like it's not $15 to send um uh card to Australia but like it's definitely two or three dollars so it wasn't like the same you know 40 cents that I was spending on all the anyways Australian scammers out there I love you so much you guys are the only ones allowed to scam the scammer and I'm do <laughs> apologize for the times when I have scammed you actually I take that part back you've really only scammed me and I really been <laughs> expecting an apology at your earliest convenience they
3: can they can Venmo you um we'll <laughs> drop it in the bio i literally
0: just spit out my drink when you said that <laughs> i would never, i would never i would never i'm i'm slowly drinking celsius by the way it's non-alcoholic but only cuz it's 148 here and at least it's like definitely after work drink time where you are
3: yeah no it's okay we we understand sometimes we like will try and tell guests to drink early and then we just That's
0: nice. Yeah, really, really peer pressuring them to do (laughs) that. That's that's honestly, who doesn't want that from a podcast host?
3: (laughs) Um, Okay, really quick for anyone who's across you in the way of like knowing your name, kind of abstractly, maybe reading Natalie's piece in 2019, and then kind of reading like the headlines about the workshop. Can you just sum up like in a chaotic timeline in like two minutes? Your life.
0: <laughs> okay. I've been on the internet for 10 years. For the first five years, I was a fairy tale. I wrote these captions about my life at Cambridge um, as this American undergrad at this old British university. And I also developed a debilitating meth addiction <laughs> while there. Legal meth. No, actually, it's fully illegal in the UK. Um, it's like it's just as illegal as meth meth. But amphetamines were my drug of choice. And by my senior year, I found out that I needed tuition money. Basically, my dad was in a lot of debt and I couldn't stay at Cambridge unless I came up with $40,000. So I hired my friend who I loved dearly and thought loved me in return to help me co-write 50% her words, 50% mine, co-write this document that only publishers saw. And we ended up because I needed the money so badly, we ended up selling the most profitable version of my life. And I've had a long time to think about this. And I always think I would have sold that book had I had there been Adderall or no Adderall addiction. But I don't think I would have exited that book deal quite so gracelessly and immaturely had I not been high as fucking balls that year and the year afterward, I basically just told my publishers every day for two years that tomorrow I would turn in a book that I had no intention of writing. Finally, they, I don't know if you've ever done this in a relationship where you like behave so badly instead of just leaving that eventually you yourself are left. Um, basically I just did that with, but in a professional way, which was like even more inappropriate than doing it <laughs> in a, your romantic private life. So I'm left by my publishers. Finally, I get help for the Adderall addiction. Fast forward a year and a half, which is how long it takes me to get like fully sober and like work with therapists and AA. I launch creativity workshops. These are launched fully on my Instagram stories. I don't post on my grid at all. All the posts planning these are self-deleting. The events change a lot over the six weeks because I'm a chaotic girly and chaos is the brand. The day that the um, workshops or the weekend that the workshops happen, unfortunately, is the weekend that the two fire Festival documentaries are released. And this one Redditor, from Scotland made this super compelling Twitter thread comparing what I had promised in like, in my first stories with the day of while leaving out all the stories that I posted and self deleted, uh, describing how the events would change, asking if people want refunds. And do you know who retweeted this Twitter thread? Jonah fucking Hill, who is now getting kids come up- A fucking menace. oh my God. He's a
3: menace. It took a long from time for him to get it. As <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it took a while for Natalie to get it, too, because after Jonah Hill retweets this Twitter thread, um, it gets picked up by journalists and this headline of, like, this influencer is a one-woman fire festival, just catches internet fire, no pun intended, with the two fire festival documentaries. Meanwhile, in L.A., that girl I hired to co-write the book proposal She pitches New York Magazine, a scathing tell-all, where she not only says that she did like all the work on the book proposal, but really implies that she had built my brand for me and written all my captions about Cambridge that I had written alone without her, mainly because before I even started at Cambridge, I had bought 40,000 fake followers. And in addition to exposing that fact, she really tried to position these one-liner jokes that we wrote for an audience of no one literal robots as like implying that she continued doing that during the cambridge years and therefore was like the real brains behind the whole cambridge brand and that i was just a silly frivolous evil pretty girl and she sells this piece it comes out and when the creativity workshop scandal had happened I had really tried to fight it. Like, I tried apologizing. I canceled the tour. I gave everyone refunds, even though I thought I was providing, like, a really niche experience for a niche demographic. Like, yeah, there are lots of people who, like, would never pay $165 to, like, spend six hours with me and, like, have lunch and wine and cookies and coffee and goodie bags. But, like, there are lots of people who would pay that and think that's, like, a fair price. And I should have just been, like, fuck you to everyone. But instead, I apologized I tried to make it stop so when Natalie's piece came out I knew what wouldn't work in terms of like PR for handling it so I as soon as I found out she was writing the article I started promoting that article nonstop for 10 days until it came out until people were frothing at the goddamn mouth to read this piece they were adding the cut to drop this piece the girlies were feral for it And it went absolutely viral. And I leaned into it because I knew leaning away from it brought me nothing but suffering the first time around. And my guess was correct. It was the right way to handle it PR wise. And now my first book, Scammer, just came out to rave reviews. And people don't like Natalie's books. So Karma will get you. If you, (laughs) Karma will get you. It's coming for Jonah Hill, just like it came for Natalie. So that's. That's how I would explain myself. That was probably six minutes, but I tried my best.
4: Yeah, that was great. There's something really, I don't know, I find kind of tragic about the Natalie thing is that so much, it seems, of what she was consumed with the time you were friends was this idea of her life being in the shadow of you and your success and feeling like she was being eclipsed by you. But she's, like, written herself into a corner in a way where that's, like it's like a Shakespearean or like a Greek tragedy or something. Like she's created this reality for herself where that now will be her forever. Like her name is like synonymous with doing that. It's, it's,
0: it's so bizarre too, because she's like, when we knew each other, she was beautiful and popular. Like she was like, she was like a gay girl's dream. She was like captain of the like varsity soccer team, which is like, that's, You're elected that position by your peers like that's like a voting situation like she was charming and charismatic and well liked by everyone. And she was also like super rich like she's from Connecticut, New Haven, where Yale is. I've been to her house several times. It's like this gorgeous old townhouse. Um, I wouldn't call it a mansion, but like I wouldn't not not a mansion like her little sister went to brown her she's like a writing nepo baby like her aunt is the editor-in-chief of O magazine and like got her all her first jobs and like her family has all these connections and like she's just so rich and like well off socially and it was just really bizarre to me that she felt like she needed to make herself uglier and less charming and like mousier and dowdier just to like be liked as a character and I just it's strange it's like she's written herself into a a life that she never had to have
3: yeah that whole thing as well with the money and the wealth and everything like the way you're portrayed online even kind of before her and through her for sure is like you are the super super rich one like she's your poor friend who needs to like clean your house and put it on Airbnb because she has no money. And, and like, I didn't realize until, yeah, reading your book.
0: Do you have any of those rich friends who like LARPing as, like,
3: middle-class girls? Like, she's... It's like, everybody b- in England. <laughs> yeah,
0: she's literally that girl. Like, she, like, obviously, like, you know, she writes in her cut essay about this time when we went to Amsterdam, and I left with the Airbnb keys, classic, young 20s, chaotic girl's trip stuff. I leave with the Airbnb keys. I don't realize like I actually I think I realized I had the keys, but I thought I wouldn't crash so hard as soon as I got back. And I thought she was going to go home with this guy at a bar. I thought they were feeling each other. And I thought the most helpful thing I could do for her was just get the fuck out of the way and just like, (laughs) see you tomorrow. Have fun. And she, I fell asleep as soon as I got back. I was really tired and the this was like peak Adderall years. So my sleep cycles were very like, I only slept once every three days. And when I did sleep, it was like the sleep of the dead. And I crashed as soon as I got back. And the she, the guy ended up not wanting to fuck her. But instead of getting a hotel room for the night, which I know she had money for, not just because she came from a rich family, but because I personally had just given her $18,000 For, like, co writing this book proposal. Like, she preferred to just like wander the streets and spend the rest of our friendship making me feel awful about leaving with the keys. And it's just like some people, I think just some people have like a guilt wound where like they need to like accumulate things to make you feel guilty because they just prefer your guilt over your like uncomplicated love. Like instead of taking care of themselves, they'd rather just like blame you and have and have your guilt be like the expression of, or like the receipt of your love for them. Like they need that proof that guilt provides of of fe- making someone feel bad and, and the power dynamic that that guilt also provides. Yeah, it's just very, it's just very, I don't feel like I, I feel like I was definitely the addict and parts of that were toxic, but like I definitely, you know, all the things she is mad at me for doing, I did eight years ago, high as a kite and all the things I'm mad at her for doing, (laughs) she's done within the past six months to three years, stone cold sober. And like, that's, that's how I feel about that it's also
4: just like scary the the power of that victim mentality where you do just every single thing in your perception is being geared towards this narrative about who you are and obviously you can see in her writing about who she is and about who you are and like yeah reading your book and getting all this additional context like the idea that she was constantly victimized because she i don't know like i reread the essay and she was saying you know Caroline was wearing a baby doll dress and like I was just wearing leggings and boots
0: it's like I didn't dress you bitch you chose that outfit like, <laughs> geez, exactly. like but
4: you're like in the throes not- of fucking active addiction and she's the one that's victimized yeah. because she doesn't like think the bartender thinks she's as pretty as you like it's just a, it's it's yeah
3: it, it's crazy the Amsterdam story I, like the Amsterdam story I can't like I read I remember reading it in 2019 I remember reading the essay coming to this with like completely fresh eyes like fucking the whole world it was like the most read article in the cut in 2019 19, yeah obviously thanks to you promoting it for so much and I remember reading it at the time and, and and being like you know the Amsterdam story felt like the crux of the whole thing it felt like this is proof of how shit of a person this woman is and I was like oh I was just like Jesus fucking Christ I was like I would do that to you Grace yeah. you would do that to me
0: mm-hmm. last night why do you think Grace was walking around the streets with cigarettes yes. like i love yeah.
3: with the keys if you had locked yeah. me out of the house yeah it's like it's like literally like it, 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 i've sent her on a train like so drunk she can't even keep her eyes open yeah. and thankful and she fell she wakes up in like a station so far from her house like hours away and she wakes up and she takes herself fucking home like an adult and then the next day i'm like oh shit i'm sorry i shouldn't have left you like that like my bad that was like irresponsible. And she's just like, no worries. Like, I'm an, like, I'm an adult. It's, it's so crazy. Like for anyone who's like, we not adults in downtown Amsterdam, like
0: find yourself a fucking like hostel, like, and if not like a 30 euro in a hostel, I don't know, spend 120 euro to like have a nice hotel and get yourself room service. Like you just got paid 18 grand, like make something out of it. Like, just stop. Like, I think that I take full accountability for all the ways that I was a shitty friend and it was irresponsible of me to leave her there with the keys. But like, I don't think it was fundamentally evil of me. Like I don't. And I think that at a certain point you have to like, I take accountability for the things that I did that were shitty. and I just feel like she somehow really by portraying herself as the victim really got People, as long as they don't like look too closely at the narrative and like really break it down, like, wait, what are we mad about here? She did a really good job of making me seem like I never take accountability while somehow like actually blaming all of her like bad decisions on me. Like everything from like what she wore that day to like whether or not the bartender wanted to fuck her to like why she. Was it was she was incapable of getting a hotel room in downtown Amsterdam.
3: Also, I googled it. Two AM in Amsterdam, eight PM in New York City. You have your phone on because you're <laughs> calling Caroline nonstop. Like, call your parents if you don't have money, which apparently you are saying she did. She did. I know she did like, just I call, cut her that time. Yeah, but I'm like, just call yeah. a friend. Call yeah, a friend. Exactly. <laughs> say I don't know what to do. Caroline's hey. not waking up. They'll be like, why don't you go to a hotel? Yeah, like, I don't know. Like
0: her parents would have given her that money, but she just like. I think she knew that she'd always have this story to hold over my head. And like, and we were still friends or like in contact after Amsterdam for like another year and a half before the book deal really blew up. And I cannot tell you how much Amsterdam, like just we, she would say the word Amsterdam and I know exactly what she was implying and what she was talking about. And it was always at like the center of every fight that we ever had. Like Amsterdam, Amsterdam, Amsterdam. Like I, think in a strange way she like knew subconsciously that like the more horrific she made that night for herself the more power she'd have over me mm-hmm. for sure yeah I
4: think the yeah I think the essay struck such a nerve for people as well because and this is something Izzy and I talk about a lot like there isn't that for how big of a deal female friendship is in our lives as women there isn't that much like well-written literature that like delves into it as a subject and I think people were so excited to see that dynamic reflected in like you know a good piece of like a good piece of writing like not the best piece of writing ever but like a strong thing I think that was very exciting for people and I think it, it opened the floodgates for a lot of people to think about or have conversations or articulate things in their own relationships they'd had before that they hadn't had the tools to talk about.
0: Grace, that is so smart and I totally agree. And I re- I've i talked about this so much in the past and I, you hit the nail right on the fucking head. I really think it's just the patriarchy keeping women from – the, pay- the gatekeepers of movies, books, plays, uh, like TV shows just do not, are mainly men in positions of power, and they just don't like seeing stories that don't center male characters at all. Like stories about female friendship inherently just like don't have male ma- main characters. And I really think that the patriarchy has done women a deep fucking disservice I mean, don't get me started. This, this isn't my number one complaint. I would start with like bodily harm and domestic violence and rape. But on that list of deep disservices that the patriarchy has done to women it's definitely preventing these stories that don't center male characters. It's kept them from being told. And I totally just 100% agree with you.
3: And it's like the way they downplay, the way everything is downplayed for women as being silly. So it's like us having conversations about like the nuances of, of friendship, being really, really close to another woman in a way that feels like an actual relationship. relationship. Like you are so close, you're like sisters, you're like partners, but then you don't have that extra level that like means you get through stuff easier and you don't have like the, the you don't have any context around it to understand what's going on. And then if you talk about it or like any way it's ever portrayed on screen is that it's like silliness it's bitchiness it's mean girls and so we don't even know what we're feeling and then so often like it just doesn't get spoken about and i think that's why it hits such a chord in a way you know what's
0: so funny to me and which always laughs makes me laugh so hard is in the years since i've obviously come across people who are like you and Natalie remind me so much of me and my friend or like this one friend that I had and then they will describe a situation that is like not similar to us at all like not (laughs) even a little bit like when someone's like oh my god like I I totally relate to like what you went through with Natalie I'm like oh like was one of you like a addict and like the other one like sold the story of your friendship to like New York fucking magazine. <laughs> like, please, please do tell. But I just, I don't blame the women at all for relating that. I blame the patriarchy for not giving women more stories to choose from to like feel like represented. Like people relate to that story, which is, I promise you, you have not gone through. Like you, I promise you whatever you think you like, you're, are you are like that story didn't even really happen in real life like cuz natalie lied by omission so heavily and also until your best friend is telling that story like in a is is receiving thousands of dollars to like tell your life story for you like it's really not a situation like us but i just yeah it's it's crazy that there is so so few examples of stories about female friendship and how it's so like when you break up with someone, it's hard, but at least you go into every romantic relationship thinking, okay, either we'll be together forever or we'll break up. But you go into every female friendship thinking we're going to be together for forever. And so whenever a female friendship isn't forever and you do break up, it, it somehow feels like this profound and utter heartbreak that is, Is even deeper than a romantic one because you never thought it would end. And yeah, we need to give women more stories about that pain because it is is laughable to me and and honestly a little sad for me that so many people think that like are forced to relate to me and Natalie because they don't have more stories to choose something closer to their life to relate to.
4: Yeah, I, I think what Natalie did was really morally wrong, but I have sympathy for her in some ways, I think because like just the fact that she knew the one thing that would actually get her published in a magazine that she wanted to be published in and the actual thing that would get her as close to goals she had as quickly as she could was throwing another young woman under the bus publicly. Like the fact that she she had that instinct and it proved to be completely correct. I think that's very Mm -hmm. sad. It's a sad reflection on our society and it doesn't justify doing it but I, I just it does make me feel sad
3: well what we were talking about Grace was like just before what people I think are relating to when they're talking about your story is is the story Natalie told which is like where your addiction was like you know not included it was like before all that stuff went viral and what they're relating to is like Natalie's version of it yes of feeling insecure towards another woman who has it all you, and is who has little, it all and, and a little and mean. you think you're you yeah you think you're like the not the lesser cool friend the less pretty friend like la 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 and then that competition element that gets brought into it and like it's yeah it's it's I think that is such a common part of female like women friendships that is very hard to discuss and explore and explain because you feel so bad if you feel jealous of your friend like you feel like such a shit human if you if you see an Instagram post of theirs and you like I don't know think shit of it but then we're we're pitted against each other constantly so it's like obviously that's going to happen
0: that's that's such a good point and you know I never thought of that and I really I really agree with that um and about it being really sad that she threw me under the bus and did get ahead like for a couple years there like people really gave her lots of praise and money for doing that but I find it real, and I agreed with you for a while. I was like, how is she allowed to like, how? I know life isn't fair, but like, this feels really unfair in terms of like her winning and just like the people who like hurt others to get ahead, like coming out on top. But I really do feel like, in, I've not just with like the difference in how our books have been reviewed, I also just think looking ahead even more long term, I think, I think her punishment is like exactly fair. Like she did it to like get ahead and she did get ahead and she did get paid, but now she'll never be able to escape my name. Like all of, even the, you know, like her, the few articles that have been written about her new book, like they all include my first and last name in the headline. Some of them even include like cover photos of me um, to like promote it. Like a lot of them, like, Talk about my book in equal measure. And I think I think the punishment really fits the crime, you know? Like I if I couldn't write a better, you said something earlier about like a Greek tragedy. Like I couldn't, if I were writing like a fairy tale punishment for like what this, if you do someone wrong like this, like what is the curse that you'll be left with, it would be that you'll never be able to like escape their name, having thought that you could like throw them under the bus to get ahead. It's like and now this will stay with you forever. And you'll always be forced to be defined by that moment.
3: It's also like, just write a thinly veiled novel. Where people are <laughs> no, like, maybe it's about Caroline Calloway. We don't know. We don't like, know. It's yeah. still just a novel. Like, fucking hell. Yeah, you
0: won't have to use me and my name and my face to like, promote your stuff you won't be attached to it you won't harm me you won't make me people speculate like that'll make
3: its own gossip and yeah
0: I also feel like if she wants to be a memoir so bad it's like bitch get your own fucking life you know like let me write about mine like I'm sorry like if you want to if you want to be a memoir so fucking bad like stop writing about me you know but um but have you guys ever had any friend breakups that really affected you deeply
3: Um. I had one kind of recently. Oh my God. Um, Well, not recently, in like 2020. Okay. And But it's it's a really, I think with friendship breakups, it's so hard because so often so much goes unsaid. And it's like reading Natalie's essay, me and Grace were just talking about this, reading Natalie's essay, her version of events is so different to your version of events in your friendship. Like everything you guys were taking from each other was like, So she thought completely differently to the way you thought about your friendship. Like, she thought you didn't even like her. You were using her. You were, you say in your book, you were, like, actually in love with her. Yeah. Like, it's also, and I think that's the hard part with, like, sisters and with boyfriends. You scream it out. You scream at each other. You tell them everything. They fucking know what's going on because you're, like, forced to do that. And with friendships, like, yeah, my friendship with my friend just ended because she, I felt like she was a shitty friend when I was going through a rough time. Um, She thought I was being I was like quite heavily depressed so I was being quite crazy but like she just thought I was being crazy and just kind of we just cut each other off and it's like she still never knows to this day what I was going through at that time which if she did know she would understand why I was like needing extra support at the time like we just have never talked again and she would have been like a bridesmaid at my wedding should I ever have one
0: yeah that's so so rough
3: I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's just crazy, isn't
1: it? Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for
2: details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
3: Had you ever told her how you felt or was writing it in Scammer the first time she would have read that?
0: You know, I really wonder to what extent Natalie really believes what she wrote in her cut essay because like I know that some of the things that she wrote about were like purposeful decisions that she knew was not the truth like in real life she was helping me find therapists who specialized in addiction because like the Adderall problem was like finally really getting out of control and like she was worried about me and concerned about me and like for example even when she told me when she told me that she was writing about she said our friendship, but really sometimes I feel like she should have just said, I'm writing an article say called I was Caroline Calloway. I'm writing about you for the cut, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's small potatoes. That's, that's not the hill I'm going to die on. But when she emailed me 10 days before, when I started on that promotion and said, I'll be writing about our friendship for the cut. She talks about, um, my addiction and my recovery, she uses those exact words. And the email was three paragraphs long. And then, you know, in her 5,000 word essay, she doesn't use the word addiction or recovery once. And, you know, she makes my Adderall usage sound just like the cocktails I'm drinking in that essay. I'm having a beer in this scene. I'm taking an Adderall in this scene. Like it's really not presented as a disease. Whereas like, I know both from my experience at the time of those memories that we were living through and her helping me find those addiction specialists to up until 10 days before the essay was published. I know the way that we related behind the scenes was not the way that she re- she wrote about in her essay. Or even another great example is as part of my like, I never went to AA meetings but I worked with three different therapists three days a week for like 18 months, who specialized in like AA based addiction treatment. And one of the steps from AA that I did end up doing was I think it's step 10, but I could have the number right because I didn't do them in order. But it's the step where you make amends and you make a cataloged list of every way that you ever hurt someone. And I sent Natalie this long, this is like a year and a half before her cut essay. We haven't spoken for a year and a half, but like her essay is a year and a half off. And the creativity workshops haven't happened yet. She doesn't know that someday she'll have a chance to like, my reputation is still as a fairy tale at this point. And I sent her this bulleted long email of apologizing for Amsterdam among many other things that I did, even just things like failing to like, ask her how her day was for like months at a time. Cause I was just really in my own shit. And I also offered to be friends again, because I still really loved her. And I, or at least I loved a version of her that may never have existed. But I definitely loved that person for sure, offered to be friends again. And she said, no, I don't want to be friends. And I don't accept your apology, which is fine. That's like part of the AA making amends things. Like if people don't want to give you a chance to change, or even if they don't accept the apology, like. This isn't about closure for you. It's about giving the people that you harmed closure and and offering and doing something for them, not doing something for yourself. So whatever, I dropped it. We never contacted each other again until she emailed me about the cut essay. But in in her cut essay, she's very careful to say the last time I saw Caroline, she was like, two hours late and gave me used glossier makeup and a check that bounced. And then she goes from that scene to present day and made it seem like the last time we saw each other in person was the last time we spoke. Whereas like, if she said like the last time I ever spoke to Caroline or talked to her, it would have to have been, you know, as part of my like AA informed recovery process. And I just, Yeah, I'm. This is all to say that, like, I'm having lived through these events, and also having like seen the way that she manipulated uh, things that I know she was aware of. Like, I know she was aware of the amends things we talked about it. I know she was aware of the addiction and recovery because she said it to me behind the scenes, but wouldn't say it publicly. I just wonder how much she actually even felt those emotions. Like, I think she was very she may have definitely felt them but i wonder what other things she left out or to what extent she just really um manipulated the story to make it seem like the most the most compelling story of victimhood like i don't i don't necessarily like take her cut essay at face value for the real truth of like what she felt or what she experienced because i know i know just judging from like looking at the facts of the thing how much she purposefully and like very craftily left out
4: that was something I found um like we both found disappointing about I think the cut published another one of her essays from her new book recently and they did I just thought like as I was reading it I just thought it would have been so remarkable to like have done what she did sit and meditate on it grapple it unpack all of her like thing and then write an essay about that a follow-up about actually dealing with the fact that she had this childlike three like two-dimensional view of herself as the hero and you as a villain and she's had to actually sit and take time and address that and now she feels guilt and she's like that would have been such an amazingly interesting piece of writing I think and I I was kind of just shocked and surprised that she was talking about you again but not in that context of of nuanced i don't know it's like been all these years now and her thinking seems to just not really change. that would have
0: been a better essay but personally i'm really glad that she returned to her original narrative of like caroline equals evil bad dumb me equal smart put upon victimized um because i always felt like you know the washington post called natalie's uh writing specifically in the cut, the original cut piece, quote, good enough. And I, I really agree with that. Like, I I think that my 10 days of nonstop promotion was really 90% of why that article went viral. But I never could have done it if her writing hadn't been good enough. And so I really am glad that she returned to the same storyline in the same publication with the same subject, with the same angle, with the same even like the same photos of us from the same day. And I was really glad that I got to have sort of like, what's it called when scientists have like a a trial or like the test where the where they like, don't do anything to it. And they see like, how that of the placebo. Yeah. <laughs> the experiment. I'm glad that I got to see what would happen to one of her cut essays with all all the variables the same as before. And the only thing that's changed is that I don't mention it at all on my social media. I don't breathe a word of it. And it was so satisfying to see that essay flop and like not go viral and like not get picked up at all. Like and I just I I'm just glad for the sake of uh the scientist in me always thinking that like I had a big part in that virality of that piece. I feel very vindicated that she did return with the exact same storyline, the exact same everything. So that that that's the only reason that I'm glad that she did that cuz I feel like I feel like it was the proof I needed that my theory was correct.
3: Yeah, for sure. And um we've talked about her a lot and I find the ins and outs of your friendship so interesting, which I guess both of us, Grace, and I guess, like, every woman who feels the same is, like, grappling with why, exactly. And I think that's it's what we were talking about before. But aside from her, like, your book is really very incredible. Like, there's so many – most of it isn't even about her. Um, and I think both of us were, like, really – Surprised and blown away by how much of an incredible businesswoman you are, and <laughs> and always have been. Like no fucking shit, dude. To like go on Instagram in 2012, no to buy followers, no to go on um, Stan accounts of literature geeks. Um, the Fault Now Stars was super popular. Yeah. Uh, the Hunger Games, Harry, Harry Potter, Potter, Twilight. Stuff. Yeah. Contact owners of those accounts before you could even DM on Instagram and offer to pay them money to promote your posts and then copy their captions down to the T so that it sounded like it wasn't a sponsored post. That is like, <laughs> you should be working at fucking Mitter. It's crazy.
0: I don't know what Mitter is, but that sounds- Mitter,
3: sorry. Facebook.
0: <laughs> oh, me- oh oh my God. I literally, with your accent, I thought you were saying M-I-T-T-E, like Mitter, yeah. like a German word. <laughs> so you're saying Mitter. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Meta for sure. Yeah, thank you. I thank you for translating your accent for me. Also, Grace, how are you doing with your hangover?
4: I'm okay. I think the worst has passed. I think we'll see.
0: Are you gonna start? Are you gonna start smoking again? I'm so jealous. I wish I had a cocktail right now.
4: Uh, I don't know. I do like to smoke. That's f- for sure. That's clear. That's for sure. No one's doubting that. But it's I. I did honestly just start feeling really physically ill. <laughs> I smoked for quite a long time and then I started getting like kind of asthmatic and like my boyfriend said I would just cough all through the night, like,
3: you would cough all the time. Yeah, I could yeah, you were, you were like wheezing. She was wheezing. She would also she was such a fucking addict. She was like Lily Rose Dip when she left the idol fucking thing in France the other day where she walks out of the after party lights, a cigarette smokes it twice, throws it on the ground and gets in a cab. That was Grace. We would walk from like out of her house to the bus stop and she'd light a cigarette, puff it as fast as she could and then we'd get on the bus and she'd throw it in the trash and get it on the bus. And it's obviously chic and sexy, but she was dying.
0: Okay, that is the plot of all of my favorite books. Unfortunately, it was obviously chic and sexy, comma but she was dying. She was. Um, dying. Unfortunately, I would definitely buy the memoir about your smoking years. Unfortunately, but that being said, I really, yeah, you should you should continue. I I hear smoking gives you cancer. Is that's what the, if the rumors are true? The rumor yet. Yeah.
4: Smoking has got bad press over the last few years. And it's,
0: I think when you're
4: you're young, you feel like the idea that something will like give you cancer is very abstract. Like you can't see the journey. Whereas I just hit a point where I was like, I can quite physically feel this.
0: Are you guys look so young? Are you guys in your twenties? We're
3: 30. Grace is 29. I'm 32.
0: I'm 31. Did you have a midlife crisis or like a third life crisis when you turned 30?
3: I had it. I basically had it when I was twenty nine because that's when I broke up with my boyfriend of like six years. And so what? that was
0: How are you are you okay? Was this when you were <laughs> depressed and you went through the friend
3: breakup? That was when I was depressed and went through the friend breakup. Okay, it's all coming together for me now. Had we'd just moved to London and it was a it was a rough time. Grace was there through the th- thick of the thin of it, and and it wasn't Adderall, but it was intense and i feel for her like still to this day of how fucking like it was awful yeah but i was like a mess and we're on the other side of the world no family like i was literally calling her and texting her at like all hours of the day she was in paris on new year's eve and i was at her house alone and she was like on literal suicide watch, remember?
4: I had invited her to Paris just to, to clear my name. Yeah.
3: Just, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Grace, I'm not gonna commit suicide. Okay, I've ordered pizza. I'm watching a movie. I'm okay. She was, like, she was, was like, such a good friend, she left me alone on New Year's Eve. No, 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 no. You, you were trying know. to make me come to Paris. But um, and I was like, go. I lied to you and said I was hanging out with friends. But anyway. It that was winter. Was-
4: it was like the depths of our first winter in London. And it was literally oh just before COVID. So like Izzy was fucking trying to move into share houses. The press was all about this uh, pandemic, trying to figure out which country to be. It was the most fucking chaotic thing ever.
3: That was when I had the the midlife crisis. Because you, ha- you think you have this life with someone and you're going into 30. And, you know, 30, everyone puts all these expectations on women about everything and then I went through this breakup and I was like oh I'm just single which is fine but people were being like it's fine you're single someone got me a book of like how to be single and it was the worst book I've ever seen and I was like I'm gonna die an old maid
0: yeah that is oh it's so much wow that I'm so (laughs) sorry that really reminds me of when like just the back to back cannot catch a catch a break it's giving your ex-best friend just sold you out to the cat, and two <laughs> days later your father's no. body is found like it's it's very much no just, caroline much very, worse much like worse. just back to back one two punch can't this girl cannot catch a fucking break sort of vibe i am so sorry but on a happier note grace i love so much when she was talking about like how miserable she must have been you literally like roll the tape play it back you were literally like no you were going through so much and you know i really I hope you get a chance someday to tell that girl who would have been a bridesmaid what you were going through because I just I just think that w- doing so will reveal her true character to you and how much she ever really loved you and how much your friendship was ever really a- about caring for the other person because you know like yeah not yeah i was terrible during my addiction and yeah like i was a-, a self-obsessed little meth head for like a solid two to three years but like my best friends like even like the people who i like thanked first in the acknowledgement who like edited my number one editor on the book was like a friend from cambridge and like my best friends to this day were like with me during those years and like did not leave me because I was going through a hard time. Like they all understood that I like very much had a pill problem and that they were like, just worried about me. I'm like, you know, I think it's really easy to, um, you know, want a guy or a girl who doesn't want you back. Um, I'm not saying that I've never wanted someone who doesn't want me, but I also, have never it's never failed to amaze me the like serenity and and just closure that comes from realizing that's like you know it was never going to work if that person didn't really love you like what grace just did is the correct response like there actually is a correct response and it is no i was really worried about you you were going through a really hard time even though you do feel guilt about how you acted and like all of my real friends to this day like they were just worried about me and they They don't hold it against me. And like, I just hope you get a chance to tell that girl what you were really going through because it will just be so revealing of like what was ever meant to be. Because if she doesn't know, she never got a chance to like know. And that's sad because, you know, maybe she really does love you and she would understand. But if she doesn't, good riddance. Like, I'm sorry. She was never meant to be a bridesmaid at your wedding. If she's she's like, no, but what about me? (laughs) Like that is like not... Okay.
3: the abstract wedding as well
0: the abstract wedding <laughs> the the trodingers wedding of it all um if you were to get married um do you do you guys want to get married and have kids
4: i'm getting married next year and i'm really freaking out about it i'm having my my freak out turning 30 getting late. like life is all just feeling a bit too adult and too real and too serious at the much. moment it's all a bit I yeah. don't feel. I don't feel, however, I thought I would feel at the point where you're making decisions which seem to have like just quite serious, longer-term ramifications.
3: You're incredibly logical and in like a very in a way that most people should be. Like you, you, you're like I'm in love, but marriage is forever and crazy and and random. Like it all. The way you think makes complete sense because it's just like. Why are we having this like old yeah. school ceremony where we're spending all this money to have like this weird kind of little event, and everyone gets divorced? Like you think very logically, and I think it, I think it's good to think so much about something like this because so many people just don't. my
4: the thing that is in my head that tortures me that I keep bring up all the time is like, and this was so funny because I was talking to Zach about this the other night. I was like, the thing is if we get married, then like, give or take we kind of are committing to knowing what we're going to be doing every day between now and when we die. And he was like, you fucking wish that was true. Like he was like, I promise that like that, like that's a crazy.
0: Grace, you're insane. I'm sorry. When Caroline Calloway is like, bitch, you crazy. That's unhinged thinking. Like, you know, you got to reel it in. Like, I'm sorry.
3: That's, like, that's too crazy. The anxiety that's... is it The anxiety yeah.
4: is just like full bolt out the gate. He's
3: She's
0: running, girlie. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I also have anxiety, but like I found medication. I'm on gabapentin. I don't know if you've ever mm. had a pill problem, but you should not take anything in the benzodiapamine family because <laughs> they're pretty addictive. But you can, your doctor will give you gabapentin if you, mm. if you express to him these crazy intrusive thoughts you're having
4: insanely (laughs) yeah i probably should it's funny because i saw like a psych for and got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder like five or six years ago and yeah yeah, gad girlies
0: Slay, slay. Slay. She
4: gave me so many like (laughs) helpful tools that like really flipped how I felt in a date. I remember just having this like eureka moment where I felt like I was back in the, it was literally like a ground control to Major Tom. I was like, oh my God, I'm back in the driver's seat of my brain
0: again. Oh
3: my God, I mean, wait, what are the tools? Can you, (laughs) do you remember them? Tell me now. Grace is so good with therapy as well. Like the therapist will be like, you need to do this, this and this. And Grace will go away and do it. No, absolutely. and then so she'll go back to therapy the next week, and then like, she'll learn next? more. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. yeah, and then within like six weeks, she doesn't need to see a therapist anymore because of anxiety. And my therapist would like I saw the same one, and she'd give me this card, and I'd like fucking burn it the minute I walked outside. I would no. never look at it, think about. That's me. That's me. She she was teaching me the tools.
0: Sometimes my therapist will flat out be like, "Drink less," and I'll be like, "No." No. <laughs> what else? Like, like I'll do anything to, to like, stop my anxiety but that. What are the other options? You know, yeah. Like, you know, like, there aren't other options. Like well, the things to
4: help it are so boring and so, like, unsexy and unfun and uninteresting. What are they?
0: Are you, are you about to tell me to drink more water and exercise? No. And
4: it's, it's It's, like, cognitive behavioral therapy stuff, which sounds really, like, banal and stupid, but, like, over time it really works. And it's basically just... Your brain is running with a lot of narratives, twenty four seven, and and what anxiety does is it prioritizes the most negative narrative of any given situation. So your brain is like interpreting everything that comes in in the most like disaster prone, worst case scenario way.
3: An example is we're going to get married, and then I'm going to wake up in the same clothes doing the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, every day 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 till I'm dead. Yeah character
0: in the simpsons like no you're saying it's not
4: gonna happen i know but but basically it's that idea of like tools to like catch a thought early and bring in alternative narratives that was the biggest thing that helped for me is if i'm like starting to run it like run away with something bring in but what about the, like the big one we used to do was like but what if the opposite it's, it probably sounds like quite obvious but like but what if oh, this oh, whole thing it. and then it I just sucks that. takes all the tension out of your brain and your brain stops being in hyper like, panic mode because and that's why this has caught me so off guard because I felt like so past anxiety in this way that I didn't even recognize what was happening to me was like ma- major anxiety um mm-hmm. because it had just gone it had just gone so far so quickly. And the thing is when your brain is thinking that, like when I'm in my head being like, I have to to do this, I have to get married because it's too late to not do it now. And uh, it also means knowing what I'm going to be doing every day until I die. Like your body is in like panic, chaos, crisis mode 24-7. Like you're so on edge. So then everything else that you're doing feels so unmanageable and so like um, terrifying. And- yeah, it sucks.
0: <laughs> You know, I I think you should really consider medication <laughs> drugs. Yeah, I think I think yep. you should really consider a lobotomy so because <laughs> these problems
4: are well, electric shock therapy.
0: T- yeah, it's too late for you. Just, yeah, you know, go 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 gently into that dark night. Like, there's nothing <laughs> to be done. Just straight up lobotomy. Yeah, but um, but no, I you know I was on medication, and when my dad died, I went up on medication, um, because I was also dealing with like the public shaming of like Natalie's article and his suicide. And then I came back down on medication, like in terms of antidepressants. depressants. And I think it just really I think people should be more okay. And some people like get on antidepressants or anti anxiety meds just to like get them through like postpartum and then never take them again. Like, Mm. I think that we should be way I don't know why it isn't more obvious that like certain chapters of your life are more stressful than others and therefore require uh, like more, more serious measures than other chapters of your life. Like, shouldn't this be like, it's, it's strange because even for me, like I was like, take more antidepressants. Like, does this mean I'm failing at therapy? Like I'm not doing a good job. And it's like, no, calm down. You weird little, like. Whatever weird taboo you're bringing to this, this situation, stop it! <laughs> stop it! You're being even crazier. Like, yeah, just sometimes are some seasons are really fucking stressful, and like you need to go up, and like when that season ends, you can go back down.
3: You know? Yeah. Like I cannot believe I was not medicated. I can't believe you went. I either. also can't believe yeah. that. Like even the the small. It's amount insane. That like, like now I, that I'm looking back, I'm just like, it is fucking crazy. It's
0: crazy. You absolutely just raw dog that depression when you did
3: yeah.
0: to. Raw dogging, tear backing that depression. And yeah. I wish that you hadn't.
3: I was literally like okay I'm not gonna kill myself but then I was looking at parks near Grace's house so that I wouldn't have to do it in her house so she wouldn't find me but then I was like she'll feel too guilty because she's away in Paris so I can't do it now like Mm. what just get on antidepressants you fucking crazy bitch I
0: literally had that thought as well when I was staying at my boyfriend's house in Seattle like I even found this like forest because I didn't even I didn't even want to go to a park near their house because I was like then they'll never be able to go to that park again and like maybe they have nice family (laughs) memories there because this park is close to them I need to go like an hour away in an uber like sort of vibe
4: my god the empathy of women literally knows no bounds (laughs) it's like insane (laughs) (laughs) how do I kill myself in the nicest most like
0: time the way that's like takes up the least amount of emotional labor for others possible
4: yeah I don't want to ruin anyone's day yeah Um... like I don't want
0: to be inconvenient for anyone (laughs) like I just like don't want to be like their problem like while I'm like (laughs) Yeah, that's actually so crazy. But I love the idea of thinking through better case scenarios. Um, that is really,
3: really helpful. Wait do you do you want to get married and have kids?
0: No, I I don't think I think I will get married twice, and I think I'll end up with sort of like a ward if that makes
3: sense (laughs) no i think i will get married twice that took a second to get through my brain
0: no 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 no. that's not even the weirder part i think i'll have a ward like a victorian ward someday i don't think i'll have a child but i think i will have like someone to look after like it maybe in like a kooky aunt way where i'm like really close with them or like a godmother way or like maybe i don't know maybe have you seen that movie gloria no, Oh, it's, this,
4: it it's so good. It's this John Cassavetes movie and it's Gina uh, Rowland And she's just like this fabulous chic Upper East Side New Yorker and her neighbors get like killed by the mob and she just has to look after their son.
0: Yeah, I think something like that would happen. <laughs> like it's that vibe, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe I'll end up with a woman and like she'll wanna do like IVF and she'll get pregnant. But like, I'm never carrying a baby in my body, a hundred percent. Like Me neither.
3: No absolutely way, Absolutely
0: not no, absolutely not. Or maybe, maybe I'll become like Kardashian rich and have a surrogate, like, and have a baby that way. But I definitely won't have a child myself. And I've always thought that I'd get married once, then divorced, and then the second marriage would stick. I don't know. I just always thought that.
3: You well, you're you're very good with your premonitions. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I don't think I shouldn't be a mum because I'd be a bad mum. I think I shouldn't be a mum because I'll be a crazy mum. And I will stare at my kid all day every day. All I'll do is talk about my kid. My sex life with my like partner will absolutely die. I will never fucking touch them. I will like be a monster because I can't sleep less than eight and a half hours a night. And like, I will have no friends because they won't leave the house. It will it will just be. I, I'm staring at, I keep looking to the side because I'm staring at the cat. Yeah. Like, imagine if I had a baby.
0: I miss, how did you get your cat from LA to London? Or did the, the cat stay in London when you went to The LA? cat stayed in oh. London. Oh, it's oh my, God, my It's my, it's... Well, this is probably yeah. why you're going so crazy for the cat because you're so happy to see it. But, um... But, yeah, I totally agree. And on top of that, I'm also worried about, like, how much women are expected to do as moms versus, like, what dads are expected to do as dads. And even if you have a really supportive male partner, I just, like, I worry that I would never – if I had to choose – not if I had to. I am choosing between a life of books and a life of, like, married with a partner and – um Sorry, someone just sent me a photo of scammer at the Yale University campus, which I definitely oh will be posting on my Instagram so good. as soon as we hang up. Um, <laughs> but very on brand for me, and I love that. But yeah, I'm just I I just would rather make. I wish I could have it all, but if I can't, I just want to make books. Do you guys have any artistic like dreams? Um, like like yes, things? yes. Tell me them. <laughs> I hate how I phrased that like do you guys it made it sound like I thought you didn't I just I just if you had different different dreams I just wanted to make space for you to share that as well like what are your what are your (laughs) big what are your big dreams is how I should have phrased that
4: I just wanted to say really quickly before we go on to that is that I will send you a link to this interview Zadie Smith did with Gentlewoman and she talks about this thing of there is no role models for women who love literature of like how to be a writer and have children. It's either like Charles Dickens who had 10 children, but obviously never saw them or like a Virginia Woolf who sacrificed like name 10%. whoever sacrificed having like a traditional family for her books. And like this, this quote Sadie, like Zadie Smith talking about it, it literally made me cry because she said like, she was like, I just reject that idea so much. And I have decided to take on this thing with my children where like I have very clear delineations of time with them and they can feel feel that I pull away from them to pursue my art but I'm okay with that I actually think that's a great thing for them as humans to learn and she just said like the love that it has given her has like deepened and improved her art in these ways she couldn't have imagined so it's not like I just I loved reading that because I feel like for so long I've had this binary in my head of like you either become a great artist or a great writer or you think
0: As soon as I post this scammer Yale crossover pic, I am running, not walking to read that Zadie Smith gentlewoman Mm -hmm. profile. That's so, that's so great and so true. There really are no examples and it's so hard to, so hard to try to like be something without a single fucking role model. Like where you Mm -hmm. just, you can't even fucking imagine it in your head.
3: Yeah, like at least I I
0: had Sylvia Plath and Elizabeth Wurzel and Kat Marnell when I was like, and Blair (laughs) Waldorf and like (laughs) lots of other chaotic, bougie bitches to like pull from, imagining like what I wanted the Caroline Calloway brand to encompass. But like, yeah, there's really no great artist writer moms yet maybe Zadie I maybe yeah oh, I think she might Zadie be the first yeah. will be the first another Cambridge girly for the win I want
3: that for her yes. for her and for us
4: exactly yeah what are your artistic dreams Izzy
1: when
3: you said like do you have any and then you felt really bad for saying that it actually made me think because I feel like there's I feel like what I've been really bad at doing as I've gotten older is having an actual plan and an idea of what I want for my life and I think what is so remarkable about you and it and it shows how uh worthwhile it is is having a really clear plan in your mind and a really clear idea of who you want to be because constantly you're working towards that and I think when I was younger I was so good at that I used to write down every single year at high school what I wanted to be doing who I wanted to be writing for what my goals were so detailed and it all came true. Like I would look at it and just be like, "Now I work. Now I write at this magazine. Now I work for that." And then in recent years, it's just become more and more kind of like vague. No, things that you got to return accomplish. To that specificity. Like that is yeah. Where it- or even like things where it's just like things that you want to accomplish, but then you interrogate whether you actually do want to accomplish them or you just think you do because that's what other writers have done before you um but actually you don't even give a fuck about it and that's why you're not working towards it subconsciously i think both of us me and grace recently have just been like really trying to sit back and 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 strip away from everything else all of these outside noises all of these other people around us who are doing similar jobs and successful at this and successful at that and be like what is it that we actually want to achieve and i think I think what is so funny about it is I wanted to write a book when I was like a kid. And since I've gotten older, I've just been like, no, I don't want to write a book because I have nothing, you know, I I have nothing, no good story to say or or like there's so many other books out there and and I don't know if I have, I don't don't know. I've just really been like very self-deprecating about it. And I think it's because I'm, as I said, like I find the way you just said you wanted to write a book forever. So incredible and I think my thing has been pushing away from it because I'm scared to be vulnerable and scared to like show work to people because I'm scared they'll think it's shit and so I've been like I don't want to do that and maybe even that's how I feel like that's why I say about like marriage and kids I'm like I don't want to do that like I'm good without it because it's scary to say that you want that and then to maybe not succeed
0: dude first of all can I just say how much I genuinely enjoy you guys And I really hope that we stay (laughs) friends after this podcast I think you guys are great people and I like Grace, Izzy, you are a vibe and a half. And Grace, if you are this great <laughs> hungover, like I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see you <laughs> pulling a Lily Rose Depp, smoking like three cigarettes at <laughs> once. Oh, the only time that year you will smoke because yeah. it's not a chronic thing. Because mm-hmm. we hate cancer. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, first of all, I just like love everything you're saying, it's so relatable. Like, I, I've talked to my therapist about feeling like I don't have anything to say. And like, I hope you feel like that's crazy, because you're like, I hope you like the book, and that you think like, there are lots of things that you'd like to know about me. But like, I would love I I think it's crazy to hear you say that you like aren't sure like if you have any stories to tell because like the time of your depression is so interesting I would love to have more books about like visiting that dark place internally and and finding your way back from it like I would love to read that and I and I do think it's really good to um to step back from the rat race and reevaluate your goals i mean i definitely got into that big blockbuster book deal my senior year of college i needed the money but i also it didn't hurt that by selling the most mainstream marketable version of myself in order to get the biggest paycheck it didn't hurt that that big paycheck really did something for my ego and for my pride. And it really made me feel like all the people who didn't believe that my Instagram was worthwhile or that I'd make it as an artist. Like I felt like I was proving something to them and it turned out like selling a book, a memoir that wasn't even about me that like really didn't, That wasn't even a book that I wanted to write. It meant nothing to me, even with the big paycheck, even with the social validation. And like, it's great to like step back from that and like reevaluate. But if you don't follow up that reevaluation with a new direction to take its place, like you're really not that much better off. You've just gone from going in the wrong direction to like a stasis, like to going in no direction. And like, Mm -hmm. I really hope that you don't let yourself like spook yourself into not even trying because that's so it I just don't think that you're alone and feeling like you have nothing to say or that you're you don't want to show people your work or that it'd be bad I felt so much pressure like what it do you know how I was haunted by the idea of like finally putting a book out and then people would be like, and this is proof that she is just as dumb and bad of a writer as Natalie always said. And, and this just further proves that Natalie did make her brand and she was the real brains behind everything like that. That thought haunted my anxiety. And like, I really kept me from trying for like a decade. And I just I just don't think that you're alone in any of these feelings like I've also felt them and and I I I don't think people would think that I would feel that way like you know I have I knowing that I did write all the Cambridge captions myself you could say like well didn't you have the proof like even if no one else believed you like you should know that you got those numbers by yourself and you pulled in those real fans after the 40k fake followers like you should know that the writing would be good or like you know, people write articles about you. You should know that like people want to hear about your life. I swear on Matisse's life, the cat for which I would give all 10 of my fingers so that I just have two stumps instead of hands. Like I really I really dreaded what might happen if it wasn't good enough and I I dreaded with every fiber of my being. Like it just not having enough to say and I just think all those fears are relatable and I hope you don't let them stop you because everyone
3: feels that way. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's so it's so good to hear you say that. I know,
4: I just always wanted to like write screenplays or direct short films or write, like
3: just- Grace is a movie girl.
4: I'd also love to write a novel. Like I just love creative writing and I'm in a similar boat to Izzy where I've been very scared to do it for a very long time, but I've had a bit of a revelatory year this year aided by Rick Rubin's
0: book. <laughs>
3: Who the you, fuck is have, Rick Rubin? Okay, I didn't have any idea. My friend bought it for me for my birthday, and he's, like, the founder of Diff Jam Recordings, this amazing record producer, but his whole thing is about creativity. Like, he basically, in Jay-Z's 99 Problems, right, he was the one that made him go, what did it say at the
0: start? <laughs> Great story, is Izzy,
3: amazing. <laughs> the bit at the start, <laughs> this is empty now. And these, this was two, two shots. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, it's like, I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one hit me. And then the beat comes in. That was him.
0: That is, that is a really good part of the song. I'm, I'm sorry. I gave you shit about that.
3: And then he wrote a whole book and then me and Grace have read it. And it's just basically like a little bit corny, a little bit self-help, but basically being like, remove everything from the creative process and just create. Yeah. Back to, back to you guys.
0: Please, <laughs> please in our group shot, Send yeah. me the title of this book. Yes, like, please, please send that along. Okay, okay. so you want to do a screenplay and a novel, and what about you, Izzy?
3: Yeah, a book. Oh, it sounds like a book. Probably, probably that. Yeah, probably. A, yeah, not screenplay. Probably a book at some point.
0: But uh, would it be a memoir or a novel? I hope it's a memoir, <laughs> but whatever.
3: Well, to be honest, I have been um, working on like a book of essays about growing up in New Zealand in the 2000s and just like different essays about different things which is it's basically just stories that I went through um and but I don't know but it's just like it's it's nice just working for like as Grace said kind of doing it to do it and even if it goes nowhere it's so nice writing don't you think
4: oh it's the best feeling ever yeah
3: let's say goodbye officially The only
0: three things I want from your viewers is that they be their own crappy little elf, that they're not afraid of their anger because it can help push through blocks. And please, in future episodes, help Grace write her screenplay and her novel. And please help Izzy write her books because now you guys know what their artistic dreams are. Hopefully, all your scammer girlies in Australia and elsewhere will rally to the cause. And now they can help you along. Caroline. And you'll love me. You You have my number. I love you too. I genuinely had so much fun with you.
3: Thank you.
4: Bye, Bye, Caroline. thank Thank you so much. Bye.